O Lord Emmanuel, abide with us. Abide with us as you have promised and as you are faithfully doing right this very moment. Let our hearts be uh, gripped by your Holy Spirit who dwells inside each and every heart who professes a faith and belief in you. Open our eyes and our ears to hear your word proclaimed that we may only see you and your truth and nothing else. And for those of us in this room who may be struggling with you and, and just, just not on the right side and, and wondering just where you are at, Lord, let today be a day of pause and rest that they may hear your spirit gripping their heart to hear that you are near and with them. And for those of us who profess their faith in you, Jesus, let today be a day of rejoicing and renewal. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's have a seat, everybody. You notice that it's the month of December? Anybody? You good? What brings you... Now, listen here. As I ask this question, listen here, folks. I do not necessarily... I'm not looking for the Sunday school churchy answer, unless that is true of you. If it is true of you, then you boldly say that out loud. But I'm just asking just a poll of the audience... As you think about the month of December, what, what brings you joy? What brings you a sparkle? What gives you the warm fuzzies? As we look at the month of December, shout it out. Music. What else? Family. Christ. You shout it out, Jeff. Good job. Thank you. Yes. Children. Good. Others? Cookies. Thank you very much. Yeah, for me. I mean, I have my list here. The top of my list is good food. Good food is what brings me joy here in December. Lights, all of the lights. I love lights. I don't like buying them or hanging them or taking them down. Last year, we left them up all the way up until October, as in like, like you know, as it went around. I only took them down because we had to sell the house. But anyways, uh, Brings me joy. Cool air, cold weather, prospects of snow. I love a white Christmas, except when it cancels our services. Um, scents, smells, cinnamon sticks when you walk into a grocery store. You know when it's like, and that's kind of fall, that's a fall, winter carryover, evergreen peppermint, and my ultimate favorite, cocktail party meatballs. You know, when you go to a, you go to a Christmas party and that crock pot of meatballs is going, you know something special is happening. That is good stuff. And I, too, family and laughter. It's not until Christmas Eve, though, that I remotely experience the type of joy that we are supposed to experience during Advent. The type of joy that warms our heart, brings a sparkle about the grace and the salvation that we have received in God's one and only true Son. And it comes to me when we sing the song, O Holy Night. And my favorite refrain, and I put it up there for you, is when we sing this really loud, Christ is the Lord, oh praise his name forever, his power and glory evermore proclaim. Even as I am saying that, I get goosebumps as I'm reminded of what is the true meaning and understanding of what we're celebrating, not only all of this Advent season, but then on Christmas Eve that night. But it's forgotten until that night because I get swept up and too distracted in the spirit of Christmas versus the spirit 
of, of Jesus. There's a movie on Netflix that my kids like to watch, The Christmas Chronicles. And there's a song in there that Santa sings. It's called The Spirit of Christmas. And it's all about being happy and joy-filled. And it's a fun little jivey tune, but it's not quite right, right? It's not so much the spirit of Christmas, it's the spirit of the newborn child, Jesus, and what his arrival means. We're in this series called The Gift of Rest, and we are looking at the habit, the rhythm of Sabbath rest this Advent. And one of the main things that we, that I, that we continue to repeat in this series that I really want you to just kind of tuck in your head is that Sabbath rest allows us to experience kingdom realities now, God's kingdom that is to come again on this, that we, we can experience those true realities where Jesus reigns right now as we enter into a habit of Sabbath rest. And for Advent, the context that we put it in is true kingdom hope, true kingdom peace, Today is true kingdom joy, next week true kingdom love, as they were always meant to be experienced before the fall. Sabbath helps us to realize and remember to never forget the reason and purpose for which we have been created, for which we have been saved and claimed before we tossed it all aside that open fellowship with God. Sabbath is a reset of sorts after working through the toils and trials of this week, to rest in Him and trust in Him. What were we created for? Westminster Confession helps us with that. And it's a powerful phrase. We were created to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. What does it mean to glorify Him? To know Him, to make Him known, His majesty, His power, His identity. Sometimes you can, re, um, you can explain really understanding God's glory, uh, like uh, likening it to, though it pales into comparison, of going to like the Grand Canyon and getting there. You can see it in pictures, but getting there and seeing it and having it take your breath away and really beholding the stuff that makes it so wonderful and so mad, majestic. This is the glory of God. To glorify him is to know him and make him known, his majesty and his power. That is our purpose. That's why we were created. And to enjoy him forever. To never forget and always remember the perpetual and everlasting covenant. Perpetual and everlasting covenant we have in him through Jesus. Do we ever stop and really think about that? This is a self-assessment question, one that can get into our stuff. Do we ever take a moment regularly to think and ponder about the goodness of God, why he created us, and how he saved us through Jesus? Do we ever sit and marinate in that, meditate on that, let it soak in? And if we do, do we do it often enough? Or is it just one of those things that we kind of take for granted it's there, but not something that... I'm really habitually sitting with and understanding and resting in. This is why we're talking about Sabbath. The temptation, especially through this time of year, through Christmas, is to make everything about Christmas and Christ coming into this world about everything else except for Him. Rather than being about His rushing and chasing after me grace that, that He brings when He comes into this world. Advent is a time of waiting and anticipation of when God interrupts humanity's rebellion to demonstrate his choice and love for us in sending his son Jesus to bridge the gap, to bridge the separation between us and the Lord. Now, if you're like me, 
we probably spend embarrassingly too few moments in our daily lives remembering this truth and enjoying the restored relationship that we have in Jesus. My friends, we're missing out then. We're missing out. We're enslaving ourselves to the patterns and the rhythms of this world rather than the patterns and the rhythms of the Holy Spirit. We are the party guests of the great banquet who are too busy to come and sit at the feast. And we are enslaved to the masters of sin and temptation rather than enjoying our liberated status in Jesus. So our guiding principle for today as we go through hope, peace, and now joy, how can Sabbath rest give us true kingdom joy? Well, I would seat it on the Westminster Confession when they explained what our purpose was in this life. Our big idea is that Sabbath rest allows us to remember that we were made to enjoy him forever. Say that. Made to enjoy him forever. So let's dive in. Let's go into this. Now, to get into this, we're going to have to explain a little bit of what, what joy is. And if you've been here before, you you've, may have heard things like this. So this is a good reminder because it's one of those things that we hear and sometimes often forget. What is joy? What, uh, enjoying him forever, what does it mean to have joy in God? Well, I heard it once said that if we look at the word peace, and that's what Pastor Jennifer preached on last week, peace is grace and salvation experienced, meaning that it's to be fully restored and whole with God, that wholeness, that shalom, that right relationship, we have that peace within him. Joy, therefore, then, is grace and salvation remembered and recognized, how we express it, how we feel it, the result of that wholeness. Our big idea, as I said, comes from that shorter catechism of what it means to, to enjoy him forever. It is our chief end, it says. It's our modus operandi, which means we can work backwards to figure out the intent of God in creating us then. And in our creation, we are to be reflections of his image, to follow and obey his design purpose for us, and then to enjoy an open fellowship and communion with him. But the fall, as we've talked about before, distorted all this. We're now plagued and inundated with so many distractions. And so many things take our joy, or we put our joy in things of this world that are variables, that fade away, that are not everlasting. And this is a tool of the evil one, everybody. The evil one wants to separate us from God. And the further he can get us away from it, he will do anything to make that possible. Even fooling us into thinking that where we have placed our joy is actually everlasting. You see, we seek pleasures for ourselves and our plans too often. We have a tendency to put God behind us or maybe beside us because it's there that he can be controlled. As I thought about that this morning, I thought about the image of, of a parent in a car with their, with their child on the next, and where you have to stop if you're going too fast and you do one of these things to hold them back. That's what I feel like when we say, God's beside me. You're saying, yes, he's beside me right there, you know, and I can control just how much he wants to get into my stuff. Our text today comes from Isaiah 58 to help us kind of understand. Now remember, we're talking about joy, to understand how we can have this joy in the Lord. But we also have to reconcile with how often we mess it up. Isaiah 58 is speaking to a people who are exercising the motions 
of religiosity, the motions of religion. They are trying to experience delight in God by fasting, by keeping the Sabbath, and they are expecting that God will bring something in return. But what Isaiah pokes at them with is, is he's saying, you have turned this great gift of doing things like fasting and Sabbath rest into a transaction. You've turned it into something where if you do it, you expect God to give back and to return. And it's no longer transformational. These things of Sabbath and fasting and the other, other spiritual disciplines that we could talk about, they're all meant and designed to transform us to be more and more like, well, for us, like for Christ, but for them, the, the people of God. People of God who love and worship Him above all else and to treat others in the way that they have been treated by him. But Isaiah looks at these people and is like, you sit here and do all this fasting, and yet you continue to make other people go hungry. You continue to elevate who I am, and yet you continue to, to cut other folks down. So don't expect, don't expect these great blessings to come, lest you turn, lest you have a change of heart. And the problem with a change of heart, everyone, is that changing of heart requires some sort of loss. And so we as humans don't necessarily want to do that. So then Isaiah looks at him after admonishing all the things that they were doing wrong. He promises them that if you can turn and turn these things such as fasting and Sabbath into what they truly are, I will, people will call you repairers of the breach. Let me say that. Repairers of the breach meaning folks will see you and see that because of your actions and who I am as your God, there is a remedy here. Wouldn't we all want to have that? Now, what does this have to do about Sabbath and joy? Well, the last thing he says here in Isaiah 58 deals with and puts it all together of how we are to practice truly this idea of Sabbath rest in order to experience true kingdom joy which rests in our grace and our salvation that we have experienced in the Lord. Let's look. Isaiah 58, verses 13 to 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Isaiah says to them, If you turn back, so if you make this change, turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. The word delight means basically pleasure or joy. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He's calling for a heart change. Even in the Old Testament, when, when all of God's people were taking these habits and these gifts that God has given them to know him more, and they turned it into this legalistic mess, even the prophets were raised up to say, it's not about just rule-keeping. It's not about those things. There is a heart-nature change here. You are to take part in these things so that you delight and have joy in who I am as your God, the God who has saved you, the God who will save you, who promises you all the things that he promised to, his, to the father Jacob there, which is the promised land filled with milk and honey that they would be a people and he would be their God. 
That's the core of keeping the Sabbath. It's not wrapped up in your ability whether or not you can keep it or not. He could care less about those efforts. He wants the heart. It's in the heart of the matter. Look what's promised by Isaiah if they turn. He says, you will delight in the Lord. That word delight in Hebrew is oneg. Say that. Look at that. You're speaking Hebrew. Now, Esther, I didn't see you say it, so... Yeah, no, it's fine. But oneg means to take pleasure in or to enjoy. So not really earth-breaking here, right? We can get that from the context. But the interesting thing about this word is that the Jews, even to, to this day, who are, I would say, probably Orthodox or conservative Jewish folks in keeping their Sabbath, oneg starts their Sabbath day. On Friday at sundown, oneg is the time where they have a great dinner. There's friendship and family, there's a gathering, there's songs, and it's all about to celebrate the delight and the pleasure that they are going to receive in taking this time to be with God. And Isaiah also says, and you will ride the heights of the land. I'll make you ride the heights of the land, says the Lord, to be fed and to receive our inheritance as promised to Jacob. My friends, fasting, Sabbath, Ten Commandments, the things that all came through the Old Testament the book of Hebrews tells us that these were all shadows of what's to come, of what truly awaited God's people in the Old Testament, the real Messiah, the embodiment of what Sabbath is. Remember a couple weeks ago I said Sabbath is, not only was the seventh day, then it turned into sabbatic rest and the year of Jubilee. And the idea was in the year of Jubilee, all debts were canceled, all slaves were sent free. Everyone was brought back to an evil, evil, excuse me, even playing field. Excuse me. (laughs) We'll edit that out. But they are just shadows of what truly awaits them because... That true embodiment of total freedom, of total liberation, comes in Christ. So until such time as that Messiah was to come, these habits for Old Testament people allowed them to exercise trust and obedience and to enjoy the favor of God based off of that and to increase a longingness in them for permanent favor and permanent liberation and permanent freedom. Now, as New Testament folks, what do we have? What's the Sunday school answer? We have Jesus, right? And Jesus is the fulfillment of all those things. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And so as New Testament folks, are we held to the same standard as the Old Testament in terms of the Sabbath rest that is there? Not quite, no. Because now it's not locked into a day. Sabbath rest is locked into a person who has achieved our freedom and our salvation through what he has done and accomplished in coming to this world and dying on a cross and being raised again. So then you may ask, well, why are we talking about this? Why are, you in, why are you encouraging us to keep a habit of Sabbath rest if we no longer are held to it having to be the seventh day and this, that, and the other? And my question back to you is that's the wrong question to ask. That puts you back into a transactional mindset that if I do these things, then God will give me these things. 
Sabbath is still a gift. It's just now found in Jesus. Why wouldn't we jump at the chance to set a priority in our everyday weeks and lives? To put off the distractions, to put off the busyness, to lay it all down for the primary sake of enjoying our saved by grace status in Christ. To take 24 hours, not because it's an obligation, because it's a get-to. We get to take this time and set it all aside to just bask in the joy and freedom of our salvation in Jesus. Why wouldn't we jump at that chance? I promise you, your bodies and your souls right now are screaming, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's set this aside because only good and wonderful things can happen from this. To really enjoy him, to have the taste of enjoying him forever. And the main reason maybe why we don't do this is that it seems odd. In our time, it's very countercultural. If you have a career that is not predictable, that doesn't always have the same day off, it's kind of hard to, to put this stuff down. So what say you to that, Mike? Well, as Jennifer and I were talking about the sermon series, we said today needs to be the day that let's give the congregation some handles. How could this look? in your life, and to uh, maybe loosen us from our tendency to make it legal, to make it a, I must do this, or I will not be a good and faithful Christian. So how, do, how does it look? How does it look in our life? Ruth Haley Barton, though I don't think I put, uh, now that I'm remembering it, I don't think I put this on the PowerPoint, so my bad. Ruth Haley Barton is a famous author who uh, our denomination has, has quoted and used. She wrote a book called Sacred Rhythms, and the last chapter talks about Sabbath as a rhythm that we can keep in our lives. Listen to her answer of how we can do this, how we can keep a Sabbath. She says, the heart of Sabbath is that we cease our work so that we can rest and delight in God and God's good gifts. Everything we might choose to do or not do needs to somehow fit into these purposes, rest and delight in God and God's good gifts. So how can this look in your life? Let me give you some suggestions. If you're interested in this and you have something to write down in your bulletin, write these things down. Here are your handlebars for how you can have a Sabbath time in your life if you choose to do so. The first one is keeping a regular rhythm. In other words, she would encourage to keep a true 24-hour block just like we have seen through Scripture. And the reason for that is if we try to take our Sabbath time, a little five minutes here, an hour here, whatever, it never becomes a habit of sorts is whenever I can grab a hold of it. If we want to make this a priority and really kind of let's, Try this out so that we can experience these true kingdom realities. The encouragement is be bold, be courageous, and try and plan ahead to set aside a 24-hour time period that you can devote to this Sabbath time of rest. The next thing is the cessation of work, and that is exactly how it sounds. No emails, no text messages about work, no reading reports to catch up, no little emails and meetings that you have to, oh, it's just five minutes and then I'll be done. I am the number one violator of that. I answer text messages because it's just two minutes. But the problem with that is it takes you out of this time period. 
Yes, it's a two-minute text message, but the effects and the decisions that you've had to make about work continue to linger on in throughout the day. So take this 24 hours and trust in God that the work will be there tomorrow and that the world will not fall because you took 24 hours to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that. Which brings me to the third one. No major decisions. Have this 24-hour period be planned in advance so that you don't have to worry about making major decisions. Don't do big purchases. Don't go out there and buy yourself a car. That's going to cause worry. Don't do that. And actually, I think we had to get a car, and I think we did it on my Sabbath. So anyways, don't follow me. Make sure you don't make those big decisions, because what does Jesus tell us? We, we have today to focus on. The worries will be there for tomorrow. We have today. Do not be anxious in anything. And so, let this 24-hour be a time period where those things can just wait. They will be there tomorrow. Real rest of mind and body. What does that mean? It means naps. It means casual outdoor walks. It means enjoying good food. It means to listening to music that you love, that reminds you maybe of God's grace and joy and, and, and awesomeness, or maybe just music that you just can just celebrate that this is a great gift that God has given. And then I will say this, and not to make it awkward, as I researched Oneg and what that is, the Jewish practice of that, the rabbis would give extra bonus points to married couples who did married things. And we're going to move on. So, some of you are going to tell your spouse, did you hear what the pastor said? Well, anyways, no. Real rest of mind and body to enjoy the blessings that God has given you. And the last thing, spirit replenishing activities. Things that renew you and bring up kingdom joy. Remembrance and recognition of being saved by grace. That's family time. Aren't our families, well, some, maybe our families are not blessed, but most of us would say our families are, are blessings that God has given. Friendships, worship, both corporately. If your Sabbath spills into Sunday morning, this is, could be a time of that Sabbath rest. Or worshiping at home, listening to worship music, praying, rejoicing with the Lord, spending time in the Word, silence, journaling, these are all things that you could build into your 24-hour period. How this looks for Carrie and I, to give you a real example, is Thursday night, we have dinner. I try to get home by 6. doesn't always work. usually get home maybe around 7 on Thursdays for different reasons. And we try to have some sort of dinner that's paper plate driven. Why? Why is it paper plates? I don't want to do dishes. I don't want to do dishes. Right. It's the time of my Sabbath. I want to enjoy, right? So we're not going to do that. So we have paper plates if possible. We light a candle. Right now we have the Advent candle that the kids made at the kids' uh, uh, time uh, and the Advent dinner. So we light those candles. We read through a devotion together. We pray at the beginning of this to try to signal to our kids this is a time to give thanks for God's blessings and to really focus in on that. And then we have worship music, and we love to see our kids dance. And so we put on YouTube and just go through some worship music that they bebopping around, and it is a great time. So uh, Friday morning, we go to the gym, Carrie and I. We like that. We enjoy that. I know that seems odd, but we do. We enjoy that. And then we go to breakfast with a friend. We have naps, read the Bible. Carrie loves to do puzzles. I don't understand that, but she does. So she does puzzles. 
I enjoy cooking, and so we end with a big family dinner that I've cooked that day on real plates this time, and we end it in prayer. Now, is this perfect from week to week? Obviously, I've already confessed that to you. I laugh at your hopefulness in how well we do this. And I slip into bad habits just like anyone else. Phone, emails, work, and have a non-focused time of Jesus. Being at rest, coming to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. He didn't say, come to your iPhones or electronics. And so I have to watch that because sometimes even just cruising through the news, it's not necessarily what we're going after here. But this is our attempt as a family to try and set a habit and rhythm You got to start somewhere, and you have to know that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So if we mess up, there is grace and a tomorrow next week, you know? And we want to engage in this habit and rhythm as a family so that Carrie and I can truly delight in Jesus and enjoy him forever rather than resenting him for the demands of being in ministry. And so I ask you all again, if this is a gift Sabbath, if it's a gift, designed to have us lay down our toils and trials, our business and work, our distractions and demands, and to rest in the accomplished works of Christ through worship, devotion, joy-filled activities, sleep, and peace, why wouldn't we jump at the chance? Listen to your hearts where the Holy Spirit dwells, and I guarantee He is saying to you, yes. Come and seek me and find rest. He has made us to glorify him, to know and experience the majesty and all of who he is and to enjoy him forever, to not be burdened with the brokenness of this world, but be restored by his grace and mercy, delighting in who he is and what he has accomplished. What brings you joy, my friends? What brings you joy? And maybe it's time we took some time to notice it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the challenges. And we know that this is not a must-to and a have-to and you, thou shalt. This is, this is a command by you, yes, God, but this is an opportunity to really experience the goodness who you are through your son, Jesus. To lay down the week, the six days of working, a struggle and toil, and to truly rest and have hope, peace, joy, and love for the Father and the Son, who then allows us to be reflections of His glory and His truth to the world so that they too would see us as repairers of the breach and know that You are Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And just as a point of privilege, uh, it is the 17th, right? And so we are seeing some of our young adults, our college students who are back and in this audience even now. So hello and welcome back. And if you see them, some over there in that corner, uh, make sure you say hi to them and give them a hug and welcome them back. Here now, my friends, the benediction. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians these words. If you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, 
who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint, forgiving such one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts to which you have been called. Go now with that truth. As people who have been saved by Christ, let that be the sparkle and joy in your heart. Share it with others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.